0: Uh, it's been a pleasure being here for the couple, Two, it feels like a long time, that I've been a part of this family, and uh, it's been grateful, it's been encouraging to get to meet most of you, some of you this couple of weeks or so, so I'm, I'm really truly blessed, and my family's been blessed as well uh, through these couple of weeks or months here, so thank you so much for, for just walking us here. And as we head into the month of prayer and fasting, I want to pray this morning just to Uh, invite the Holy Spirit to really speak to us and to to see what he has in store for us this morning. Lord, we invite you to this place. May you speak to us, may you hear our prayers, Lord. May you communicate to us through your spirit, through your words, uh, through through the things that we go through, through our our prayer and our fasting and what that looks like, and uh, for some of us, this can be very new and very foreign to us, Lord, so we ask that you would help us, encourage us through those times when we do feel weak or tired or exhausted and for us to see you and and clearly, Lord, so may you use this time to help us uh, understand your word through that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I started to become handy in my life, I I wasn't as handy, like handy man, like fixing the house and all those things. When I first bought my house, we had a lot of stuff that we needed to renovate and do. And one of the things that we renovated and did was fix the doors. And I would like look at YouTube videos to see what I should do. You know, these days COVID really helped us see that, uh, to learn new things and to help us learn new skills. So I had to do that. So what I usually did was I was like, okay, you need nails, you need a door frame, you need a hammer and screwdriver and things like that. But when I started working, it was totally different. When you take the door frame out, you're like, what did I just, just do? There's a hole in the wall. And I was like, okay, just stick the frame in and just nail it in. So I was like, got nails, but unfortunately the nails were too small. They had to be like two and a half inches to three inches. And I didn't realize it until the end. I was like, the door wasn't stable. It kind of fell apart. <laughs> I came to realization that, you know, replacing the doors in my house were, were something that I needed to do. I realized that I had tools in my garage that were would make better use for putting those doors in. I had an air compressor with a nail gun that would have been useful. I had a circular saw that was useful to cut the edges or a table saw. I had all these random tools that I I used, I should have used, but I didn't use it. And it was a lot of waste of time and effort for me. But imagine how silly it would be for me, who possessed all the right tools but never used them. Just picking up a a screwdriver to hammer a nail. You know, sometimes we don't have a hammer, we use a screwdriver to do it. This is exactly what some of us do when we pray, right? God has given us each of us the powerful tool to use in order to increase our effectiveness or effectiveness in our prayers, uh, a a spiritual power, our ability to know God's will, his love for us. But most of the time, we, we leave it in the garage, we leave it in storage, we leave it on the back burner of what God has really gifted us with, the gift of prayer. And this tool is prayer, it's prayer and fasting. The key behind times of prayer and fasting should be centered into this developing deeper, this, this meaningful relationship with our Lord and Savior. It should be like that. Prayer and fasting is not meant to change the will and plans of God, but to change our wills, our wills and our plans for Him, for God, for Jesus. If you were to research the major biblical characters in the Bible, you'll discover that they all practice this discipline of prayer and fasting. And I hope this month that we would do that all together, a time where we can fast and pray and see God and see the Holy Spirit work in our church, in your families, in your life, and seeing all these things happen for the glory of God. We need to have this biblical understanding of these spiritual disciplines. We think about disciplines, we get scared, and we're like, oh no, what will we do? I'm not gonna succeed with these New Year resolutions and all those things that we plan to do. Discipline scares us. It scares me. Discipline of prayer and fasting. We must and we should practice this discipline It brings change in our hearts, it brings changes in our lives, and it brings change in his church. Look at so much change that we see in Summit here. Look at the things that are happening with the barn. Look at the giving that has been given to the building fund. Home is here. Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, and if you look clearly in Matthew chapter six, he starts with the Sermon on the Mount. And he emphasizes a few duties of every single Christian, every single believer should do. And you please hear with me, just listen. If you were to have your Bibles here with you, you can see in that first section of chapter six, God's word says when you give, he says give to the needy. He says when you pray, pray. He says when you fast, fast for God. You know, Jesus expects all his followers to do these spiritual disciplines and practices, and he expects for us to do that as well, and I hope so. You know, Jesus is the one who died for you and me. He died on the cross for us, and he expects us to do these things as we continue to walk and walk and grow and grow in him. And these are the essential dimensions of, of this love this loving relationship with our Lord and Savior. You know, our relationship with the Lord should compel us, it should encourage us, it should encourage us to make these uh, prayer and fasting, these disciplines a priority. So let me ask you this morning, so what is prayer? How often do we pray? Maybe during mealtimes. What is prayer? Maybe the kids this, kids here this morning. What is prayer to you or for the youth or for all of us here? What is prayer? Prayer is basically talking to and with God. Imagine meeting your best friend for coffee at your favorite coffee place. Your friend knows everything about you. You can count on your friend being exactly where he is and he will be there. Anytime you need him, you can call and he won't be upset with you. He will, he's willing to listen and respond with love and concern for you. And that's just like prayer. The only difference is that your best friend is God. He's God. God is available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He knows everything that you did and he still loves you for it. He knows your future He knows the best plans for your life. He cares for you so much that he gave his son so that he can be with you forever and ever. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know this passage very well. You can talk to him about everything that concerns you. Tell him about your desires, your your, your passions. Share your concerns about your loved ones. Some of us here have loved ones who are maybe sick or ill or going through a situation that is difficult. You can talk out with your fears with God. You can communicate to God what's inside with inside you without any fear or concern. I get this question asked many times as being a youth, I guess, person or pastor. What do I say when you pray? It's like, is there a specific formula or something that you have to say or do? You know, you know prayer is basically a conversation with a person you love and respect, and I'm sure that when we pray, we love and respect God. In prayer, there's an element of trust as well. And the best way to pray is to be natural, right? Just be yourself. God, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, I'm anxious. Please use me to speak your message this morning. It's a conversation. It's a trust, because I trust God. And I believe the same way for you. You know, the best way to pray is to be natural, to pray what's on your heart. You know, God looks at your heart and He sees so much. You know, God is very anxious. He's excited to hear every single word. He wants to hear you. He even listens when we're angry. You know, when you get frustrated, it's like, oh, God, I just I had a bad day today. He listens when you're in pain. Whether that's physical pain, emotional pain, physical pain, psychological pain. He listens when you're anguish, when you're sad, at home, on your bed, crying out to God, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And just, when you read the book of Psalms, you can see that happen in the psalmist when they cry out to God. So let me come back to the question, why do we pray? Why is prayer important? If God already knows all about you and knows all that he has written, why should you pray? It's because God created us to have free will. You know, He wants us to come to him willingly, not as robotic creations. He has given us a mind to make decisions, and more importantly, a decision about eternity, life after death. Even though that he knows the future, we don't know the future choices we will make. It's important to live by his guidance to make the right choices. In the Bible, in scripture, you'll you'll find kings, you'll find prophets, ordinary people like you and me trying to get through a difficult situation by praying to God. One prayer stopped the sun. If you guys remember, one prayer stopped fire coming down from the heaven. One prayer gained 15 years to his own life. And one prayer even saved the whole city. You know, these people prayed so intensely to God who answers prayer. So when you pray, God listens to our cries. He listens. But when we don't pray, God feels kind of left, up, left out. It's kind of like he's feeling a bit FOMO, right? You guys know what the term FOMO is? F O M O, fear of missing out. But God's not afraid, but he doesn't want to miss out. He wants to hear and be a part of every single aspect of your life. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so this says this in 2 Peter. As you pray consistently and persistently, you are affirming the existence of God in your life. Let me say that again. You are affirming. When you pray consistently and persistently, you are affirming the existence of God in your life. You are building your faith as you see God's hands do his mighty work on your behalf just because you ask. If you remember that passage in Matthew seven, he says this, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Here's the next question we should ask about our prayer life. Why should we earnestly pray? Why should we pray? Why do we need to be committed to prayer as a church? A church should be built on prayer as well. But why should we earnestly pray? Because the enemy's plan is to destroy the church and that only prayer would deter it. You know, Satan doesn't like his church. Likes the church. He'll do anything to break it up, bring dissension, bring division. Prayer is important because it allows God to to saturate us with, with his love, with his plan, with his purposes in life. Here's another reason why. Because for us to spread the gospel, the good news of Christ, as long as the church continues to pray, Continue to pray. You know, there are amazing things that can happen when we do pray. It sets people free from the power of prayer. It sets them free from those things that may be hindering in their lives. It also encourages a lot of things when people are praying. We see things happen in people's lives. So for, for us this morning, we need to practice this spiritual discipline of praying if you want to start off this new year. Wouldn't it be awesome to start off this year with this prayer and fasting and what that looks like for, for all of you and for our church at Summit here? You know, now that we talk about prayer, here's the fasting part, okay? There's a quote from Henry Nowen's book, he says this, the discipline of fasting, it, it releases the anointing, the favor, and the blessings of God in the Christian life. There was one time in 2014, I, I spoke at a conference, a youth conference, and you know, I get really nervous when I speak in a, in, with the hundred or so kids, right, there's like 400, 500 kids, and I'm like, God, you brought me here for a reason to speak out of this conference. And there was a prayer team that was there, and this guy came up to me, he's like, hey, hey Pastor Ann, can I pray for you before you speak tonight? And he prayed for me, and he mentioned to me, I've been fasting for you for these couple of days. And I was like, he was just an ordinary youth, that was on the prayer team. And I was deeply encouraged because I never saw this happen before for the young people, praying and fasting. And he, he said this, he quoted a passage in Matthew five, verse six, it says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, and they shall be filled. And I was like, wow, such profound words from this young youth who prayed and fasted for me. And he said he prayed that people will come to Christ through me. So on that night we did an altar call and I was like just doing my thing. And on that night there were about 60, 70 people who came and accepted Christ. It wasn't because of what I said, it was because of what God did that night. It was powerful because of what he said to me, that he prayed and fasted. Things happen. Things happen that it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just like when you put yourself in a, a position where you just focus on God for his strength and see his work to be done, you can see amazing things happen. And that, that should be our motivation to fast. But sometimes we have many misconceptions about fasting. Sometimes we we fast because it's a form of penance. We we just do it, or maybe it's a specific diet plan or intimate fasting where you just fast for about you know 16 hours and you eat. It's like a some sort of diet plan, or can it can be only food that you eat. You can't eat. You know, some people think fasting is for those who are grieving. Or or it's legalistic or something like that, done by guilt or manipulation, or that it's it's powerless, you know, that it's not relevant today. My my spiritual director a couple of years ago, he he encouraged me to fast, and he gave me a definition that I won't forget about what fasting meant. He says prayer and fasting is defined as. A voluntarily going without food or something else in order to focus on prayer and fellowship with God. That's it. It doesn't have to be a specific food, it could be something else that has consumed us. So, I want to give us some clarification about this and what that means. You know, prayer and fasting often go hand in hand but it's not always the case. You can pray without fasting. You can fast without prayer. But when you have these two activities together or combined together and dedicated to God's glory, something happens, like I said. It reaches its full effectiveness. You know, having a dedicated time of prayer and fasting is a way of, not a way of manipulating God and doing what you desire. It's not. Rather, it's simply forcing yourself to focus and rely on God for strength. His strength, his provision, his wisdom. Here's what it says in scripture about prayer and fasting. In the Old Testament law, it was specifically required prayer and fasting to happen on one occasion, which was the Day of Atonement. This custom became known as the day of fasting, or the fast. So they had this going on back in the Old Testament. If you remember, Moses, Moses, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was on Mount Sinai receiving the law from God. So he fasted. King Jehoshaphat called for a fast to all of Israel when they were about to be attacked by the Moabites and the Ammonites. In response to Jonah, remember the story of Jonah, kids? Yeah. Jonah preached, and the men of Nineveh fasted, and they put on sackcloths. Right, right. You know, prayer and fasting was often done, you know, during times of distress or trouble. You know, David, David in Scripture fasted when he learned that Saul and Jonathan had been killed. Nehemiah had a time of prayer and fasting upon learning that Jerusalem was in ruins, it was destroyed. You know, John the Baptist taught his disciples to fast. What else? Jesus. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Can we actually do that? 40 days and 40 nights before he was tempted by Satan. You know, Paul and Barnabas spent time in prayer and fasting for appointing the elders of the churches. So that's important too. So is prayer and fasting something that is required or recommended? Should we do it? Or we just do it because it's the month of January and we decided to do it? You know, Scripture doesn't specifically command believers to spend time in prayer and fasting. But at the same time, prayer and fasting is definitely something we should be doing. And I think far too often, though, the focus of prayer and fasting is on abstaining from food. Instead, the purpose of fasting should be that we take our eyes off the things of this world and focus on our thoughts of God. Fasting should always be limited To the set time because not eating for an extended period of time can be damaging for our bodies, for some of us. Fasting is not a method of you know punishing ourselves. But not to be used as as some sort of diet method. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18, it says this, as Jesus was preaching. He says, When you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what does prayer and fasting accomplish? Why do we do it? You know, spending time in prayer and fasting is not automatically effective in accomplishing desires of those who fast. Fast or no fast, God only promises to answer our prayers when we seek according to his will. Okay, sometimes you forget that. It's according to his will. In 1 John chapter 5, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we seek anything according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whenever we ask, we know that we have asked of, of him. How can we know if we are praying and fasting according to God's will? Are you praying and fasting of things that honor God or glorify God? Does the Bible clearly reveal that it's the God's will for you? So if you ask something that is not honoring to God or not God's will for our lives, God will not give what we ask for, whether we fast or not. So is it in God's will? How can we know it's in God's will? You know, God promises wisdom. In James chapter one, verse five, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it'll be given to you. You know, I noticed at the end of chapter six of Matthew, Jesus moves on from giving, from praying, he gives the, the Lord's prayer, and from fasting. Then he goes to You don't have to worry. There's a reason for that, you know? You know, God promises to take care of you. As a matter of fact, Jesus adds this thought, he says, but seek ye the first, seek first his kingdom as his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You know, fasting is not a magical way to make our prayers get answered or to somehow force God into answering our prayers a certain way. You know, God cannot be coerced. We may still have to go through a difficult circumstance. But the more we are willing to fast and pray through that process, okay it's a process, the more we will be rewarded with the power and the presence of God to strengthen us and give us faith for the journey. I also have learned in my own times of fasting not to expect God to show up. Um, you know, sometimes I, ex- I don't expect that, an immediate, or even to provide immediate answer to my situation that I'm fasting about. Often, or quite often, the day progresses in quite an ordinary way but I find more often than not that in the days following after the fast, I receive more wisdom and help and strength and whatever that is needed for me to proceed. I don't know what it is, but your mind is just clear and you just listen, you can hear God very clearly. It's like, God, is this something that you want me to do? So I fasted. And after that fast, I had such clarity. It's like, God was like, hey, you shouldn't go through that way. It was clear. You know, God has given us a tool for upping our game to communicate with him. It's not easy. Who said it was going to be easy? It's challenging. How exactly it works remains a mystery to me but for those who are willing to make it a regular part of life, history shows that God would unleash the power into their lives. Imagine the power of God in our lives in his church. So the next time you need to demonstrate repentance or you need to intercede for someone or if you need wisdom or deliverance from a crisis in your life, I encourage you I encourage you to make a commitment to God to set an amount of time and discover what people did throughout the ages have discovered fasting a vital part of their life. You know, as we pursue prayer and fasting this month, there are sign-up sheets at the back for you to sign up and fast. Pray about it. Pray about it, ask God, what God is asking you to do. There are guides in the back, booklets to help you, and tools to help you through these fasts and prayer. What is God telling you to do? As we pursue prayer and fasting this month and in the couple of weeks as we focusing on rebuilding our relationships as a church, as we revitalize the next generation of those who are coming up, as we reengage people back to the ministry, back to his gospel, what does that look like for you as we pray, as we fast, as we listen, as we journal, as we listen to God? That's my encouragement, my challenge to you. May we go forth and see what God has to do this this month, this year, and all those things that he has for us. We don't know what this year holds. Maybe some of us have set specific goals or resolutions and things like that. We have an idea of what we wanna do in your own personal life, within your family, even as a church. What does that look like? Why not start this year as we pray and fast together? and for us to see what God and his amazing things that he's gonna do in our lives. Why don't we start with that? Why don't we do that as a church, as a family, as we pursue that?